I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. Week two of our Kate Blanchett Kate Month. Kate Blanchett Month. And this week we are going to be watching the, we're discussing, because we've just watched, the 2001 heist comedy, Bandits. Uh, this is a favorite of a friend of the show, Jackson Irish, host of the Ghost of Arlington podcast. So we Great him a podcast. Plug. Yeah. And this film, Jackson showed this to me sometime in 2002. And he'd seen it before. He was very enthusiastic about it, wanted me to see it. I think that's the only time I had seen it in its entirety. I think I watched part of it a few months later when it was on TV and my dad was watching it. So I came in and watched part of it. But this is, in essence, the first time I've seen it in 19 to 20 years. Yeah. And I've forgotten a fair bit of it. You, however, had not seen this film before. I have not. This you want to give come some out while I was still still out, out on the mission field, indisposed mm-hmm. in two thousand one. So yeah, this is my first time seeing this. I was not even really aware of this movie, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it. No, oh. figured you'd enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's pretty entertaining throughout. We laughed quite a bit, or at least I laughed mm-hmm. quite a bit. Your go ahead. Well, did you want to tackle what this is about? Well, the I mean, it's about a pair of bank robbers who start a they escape from prison and in then, Oregon. Yep, and then start a series of bank heists going down the coast on their way down to go to Mexico to buy. Their intent is to rob enough money to buy a property and create a club down in Mexico, and then just live off of that. But along the way, they meet uh, Kate Wheeler, played by Kate Blanchett. And our our, uh, criminals are, of course... uh, Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton playing Joe Blake and Terry Collins, respectively. And they pair pair up with Troy Garrity, who plays Harvey Pollard, who is an aspiring stuntman and... A cousin to the Bruce Willis character. Yeah, and Harvey becomes their getaway driver. Mm. Though he is easily distracted at certain times which becomes a factor on, later on in the movie. Something that they actually play up in kind of the attempted twist of this movie, though you can see see it coming and see where it's yeah, going. Yeah, the twist is, is hard, hardly qualifies as that, but it's still, it's still enjoyable. Most of the actors here, at least our three lead actors, are very well-known quantities, but I wanted to talk briefly about Troy Garrity, he is the son of Jane Fonda and the anti-war activist Tom Hayden, which is kind of an interesting combination. Most of his film credits, if you Google them, of the initial seven, three are barbershop movies. So the, I guess he's the white guy in the barbershop movies. He is fine. January Jones plays his love interest. Other than that, not... Whose name is Claire? Did you ever remember her name being stated in the entire I don't think the name movie? was ever stated. Yeah. And the rest of the supporting cast is fine, if if not exceptional. You said you enjoyed it. Yeah. Did you have some more observations for us at this point? Something I brought up during the movie. Do you feel as though Kate Blanchett was the first choice for this, this role? You had an interesting theory that... This feels like it was written for... Julia Roberts. For Julia Roberts. I mean, tell me that that didn't feel like a Julia well, Roberts. Well, the script probably had Julia Roberts type. 
uh-huh. as as what they were going for. Because I can definitely but picture her in the role. Kate Blanchett works very well. She does work well, and, and she it's kind of different is a for her. lovely redhead. She is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, her accent doesn't come through overly strong. In fact, there's several scenes where she doesn't really sound like she has an accent. Mm-hmm. She is an interesting character. So, your principal two, your uh, Bruce Willis and your Billy Bob Thornton, are basically uh, Felix and Oscar pairing, an odd couple pairing. Oh, okay. So, Billy Bob Thornton is very... What's the condition where you think you're sick all the time? He's a hypochondriac. And he's very fussy. And I love his comment about going to Mexico. I have serious sanitation issues. But I have sanitation issues, Joe. <laughs> yeah. But well, even the opening of this movie. So the movie opens. Bruce Willis is in the boxing ring, boxing a guy. And, and Billy Bob Thornton comes in. And he's upset because the prison warden has decided they're going to stop selling garlic in the commissary. Mm-hmm. And garlic is his first line of defense and blah, 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 yeah. and all this stuff. And it works for all these maladies. And He also cooks a little, as he tells yeah. us later on. And he's distracts Bruce Willis while he's in the ring, like, complaining about this is a violation of his Eighth Amendment rights against cruel and unusual punishment and this and that and the other. And actually gets Bruce Willis hit so hard it chips his tooth. That's when we learn that Bruce Willis's character has an anger problem. And he proceeds to beat the other guy in the boxing ring to a pulp. And they walk out into the yard and then very quickly steal a cement truck and escape from the prison. No planning. It just He sees a cement truck doing some work and he's just like, okay, I'm going to take this. Well, he's even walking through the yard and he's walking past the driver of the cement truck. And he goes, is he he goes you operate this? He goes, is it, is it easy to drive? And then just jumps in the driver's seat. And, <laughs> and uh, Terry sees this and is just like, oh, I guess I'm obligated to go. And he jumps onto it with him. They have a bit of a chase. And then they take the freaking cement truck off-roading. off-roading, which I've never seen before in a film. So that's probably a, a unique contribution here. And then they kind of end up running uh, to various cars. They get into town. He's like, well, some of the things we need, we're going to need clothes. We're going to need money. It's like, okay, money. And it goes to the bank, robs it again, zero planning. They end robs up... Robs it with a highlighter. Robs it with a highlighter. That they, yes. Then then uh, they use the highlighter at the back of the guard to get the guard to give him the gun. And then they use the gun to hold the place hostage. And then when they're leaving, Billy Bob, or uh, yeah. Bruce Willis gives the guard the highlighter. says, here, in case you need to highlight anything. Yeah. They steal a car from a guy, but, he, but uh, Billy Bob Thornton drops the gun. And so the guy they steal the car from shoots the back of his own car. And then when the police come, they say he is struggling with the security guard for the gun. Yeah. The security guard's gun. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, I guess this guy robbed, robbed the, the bank. And so Billy Bob Thornton and uh, Bruce Willis, they end up. Well, so they do get spotted by the police in the stolen car. So the cops start chasing him. And Bruce Willis pulls off the side off the road into an open garage and is closing the garage as the police speed by the house. And then they go into the house and there's two teenagers there smoking making marijuana out. and making yeah. out. And they basically hold them hostage overnight, which is what gives them the idea for the rest of their robberies. Yeah, so what they become known as the sleepover bandits because they will find a local bank manager. They will go to that house at night. They will hold him and his family hostage overnight take them to the bank early the next morning, and rob it then. It's creative. Something similar is done in the film The Friends of Eddie Coyle from 1973, only they don't sleep over. They just get the 
bank manager in the morning as he's preparing to go to work and then take him in. Yeah. But they become kind of cult figures, kind of... Uh, yeah, throughout the time that they're doing this, there's this TV show. Did you catch the name of the show? Criminals at Large. That keeps highlighting them and gives the, is who gives them the, the nickname the Sleepover Bandits. And Kate Blanchett is actually aware of who they are from the TV show when she first meets Billy Bob Thornton, or should I say, well, so they meet because he's ran out of gas and he's trying to hijack her car and she doesn't stop in time and hits him and then refuses to let him drive, refuses to let him carjack her and drives him to their meet spot and then decides to join them because... Her life is boring at home, basically. Yeah, so she's she's an interesting figure. Uh, the first scene you see her in is she is cooking in a pretty nice house, a nice meal for her husband, who is totally doesn't get what he has. Yeah, and she is just rocking out to Bonnie Taylor songs, uh, which she does throughout the film. She has aspirations as a singer, which we learn are uh, ill-founded. Misguided. But yeah, it's so she kind of hangs out with them, and eventually it develops into this love triangle between the three of them. And so it becomes, you know, it starts out as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance or the odd couple, and it becomes Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. But there is a director whose work we have recently featured who this film has been compared to. Oh, yeah be Preston Sturgis. Yeah, I could see that. I yeah. can see it, too. Yeah. Especially with the like ongoing escalation. Yeah, the screwball and, comedy yeah. aspect of it. And, and this is directed, we haven't mentioned yet, it was directed by Barry Levinson, who is a very successful yeah. producer and director. Known for Rain Man and Wag the Dog and Good Morning Vietnam and yeah. Homicide Life on the Street. Yeah. My favorite TV series. Yeah, I mean, he's still producing stuff. Actually, he just recently directed the... Hulu series Dope Sick. Oh, okay. Starring Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, still actively doing stuff. But yeah, this this movie, it just continues to escalate. And, you know, the details we've given, this is just touching on the surface. And it continues to escalate leading up to their final robbery, which has a long convoluted plot that includes kidnapping a the, re, the, re, the host of the Criminals at Large show, and, and clearing Kate's name so that she can go to the police station and tip the police off that they're robbing this bank. And that's what sets them up to have Harvey and January Jones in place in an ambulance yeah. so that when they, who is setting off squibs as they're shooting each other, having this fake shootout in the bank, and then they come in as the paramedics, put them in body bags, put them in the ambulance, they drop them off somewhere, and then the ambulance, of course, through the use of special effects, blows a tire, runs through a fence, flips over, and supposedly Terry and, and Joe have left incendiary, incendiary charges on their bodies and ignite the ambulance and are burned, leaving no evidence. Allowing them all to escape to a new life in Mexico. A list of some of the names of banks they rob. They rob... Silverton Fidelity Bank, Wildwood Savings, Oregon City Bank, San Andreas Bank, and a final showdown at the Alamo Savings and Loan. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of references to those type of things, like the last bank. It's also the first bank that appears on the TV is the Alamo. 
But then when they're at the house where they hold the teenagers hostage, they're watching The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. You know. And one of my favorite scenes of this film is the first time they're doing the sleepover bandits. And they, they show up at this, this family. It's family, uh, husband, wife, three kids, young kids. And they're having spaghetti dinner with them. And the wife is just distraught. And uh, Billy Bob Thornton just wants to talk about her recipe. It's like, is that... Now, it's, it's not... It's not oregano. It's it's not rosemary. Is that saffron? Yeah. It's like yes, it is. Yeah. That it's great. It's great fun. And then also great fun is the the crazy wigs and costumes that they oh that they're constantly on on those two throughout the film. That that's always a delight to see what crazy thing they're uh, going to be in. Kate Blanchett's wigs and stuff. Yeah, she starts to do that herself. Yeah. Yeah. The only award that I'm going to mention on this one is Kate Blanchett won an AFI award for Featured Actor of the Year female. AFI is a British award, but uh, Mark Kermode, who has previously been mentioned in our podcast, is affiliated with AFI. So, the sound has a there's a pretty impressive soundtrack here. They've Bob Dylan. You got the uh, Beautiful Day Superman song. They've Fight got, for Fighting. Uh, just the two of us. One that should have been on the, that 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 begs to be in this movie and is not is the classic "Torn Between Two Lovers" by Mary McGregor, because the 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 love triangle is resolved by Kate Blanchett determining she loves them both equally, and at first they're against it, and then they realize, oh, we'd rather share her than not have her. This film has a list on IMDb as having a seventy-five million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Given the number of effects and all the yeah. stuff that they did, that I'm not surprised. That's that's a big budget. It was not a moneymaker, though. It had a opening weekend in the U.S. of just 13 million, a U.S. domestic gross of 41.5 million, and a worldwide gross of just a mere 67 million. Yeah, so uh, well, I'm sure it recouped uh, subsequent to the theatrical run, but yeah, that's a, that's a disappointment. Yeah. It probably made it the rest of the money back on rentals and DVDs, you know, VHS, things of that nature, but definitely not a, a, a huge hit as a 64% on rotten tomatoes. It has an I- aggregate score on IMDb of 6.5 stars, which we will get to ratings in a minute. Do you want to do ratings first or trivia first? Well, we usually do trivia. So this is, again, as is typical for us, this is coming from the trivia section of IMDb. The storyline is loosely based on real-life bank robbers Terry Lee Connor and Joseph Doherty. Many elements of their heists are accurately depicted in the film, including breaking into the house of a bank manager and giving a soda to one of the victims. Oh, you mentioned this when we were watching it. Billy Bob Thornton has a phobia of antique furniture in real life, and the producers wrote it in as part of his character. As uh, well as his fear of the actor Charles Lawton. Yeah. The little girl who belches during the dinner scene is Bruce Willis's daughter. Yeah. Scout Willis. And according to him, that belch was not enhanced. <laughs> <laughs> the other girl is another of Willis's daughters, Tallulah Willis. Val Kilmer was originally considered for the part of Joe. Okay. Uh, and Bruce Willis was originally going to play the part of Terry, but due to a scheduling conflict, Kilmer backed out and Willis took over the part of Joe. Okay. It might have worked with Val Kilmer and Bruce Willis, though I can't imagine Kilmer being the less serious of the two. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're both serious at different times and in different ways, but 
I couldn't see Bruce Willis playing the hypochondriac that I mean, way. Billy Bob Thornton, this is a perfect part for him. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he definitely outshines Willis. Willis is covering familiar territory, but Billy Bob Thornton and Kate Blanchett are the two that really make the movie work. No. Hans Zimmer was the only choice for music composing. However, Zimmer was just finishing Hannibal and Pearl Harbor at the time in London, and had, he had already committed himself to Black Hawk Down, which was recorded in the U.S., Barry Levinson said that he would move the film for a later release, waiting for the German composer, since they had been good friends since Rain Man in 1988. Zimmer, Zimmer politely refused. Hmm. Darren Head, the host of Criminals at Large, was supposedly based on John Walsh from America's Most Wanted, which I can see. He's got an interesting gravelly voice. I kept thinking of T- Tom Harvey, the, the TMZ guy. Yeah. Harvey uh, Levin. Kate Blanchett made this film between her appearances in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which was from 1999 to 2001, since all the films were shot back to back to back. And though the film came out in 2001, you can briefly see in one of the newspaper headlines uh, after the uh, showdown at the Alamo, the date 1999 on the print. Really? I missed that. Many of the people playing inmates in the film were either penitentiary inmates or correctional officers. The officers dressed as inmates and were positioned closer to the wall to help maintain security. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all that's worth mentioning there. We should talk about ratings. I'm going to have you start. You know, I was surprised that this had such a low aggregate score. We previously mentioned it had a 6.5 aggregate score on IMDb. This is a stronger than a six, you know, six and a half star movie in my opinion. I'm torn between the seven and eight star range. However, I enjoyed this movie, and so I'm going to go ahead and give this eight stars on the ten-star scale, and I would give this three, three out of four. So this is a film where the, the story's good, the script's good, and the three characters are fun. They're good characters, but they are better than the movie. And looking through things that said online, I'd have to agree that there's problems with the editing. Like, the framing device is fractured, because the framing device has their that final standoff, and then also the framing device is the television program, and it, uh, the chronology between the two becomes confused. Yeah. And then it goes back, most of the story is told in flashback, and it has a very strong first half, and then it just gets kind of weaker. It just keeps going on. And I felt my attention wandering a bit. They tried to compensate for that with the tempo. Yeah, but I, I just don't... I think the second half of the film is significantly weaker than the first half of the film. And I'm going to go with two and a half stars, and I'm going to give it a six or seven. Yeah. On the, uh, which is... It did not age as well as I thought it would. I still enjoy it. I would still recommend it. Did you it find didn't, it... it do- doesn't fully come together for me. Did you find it to... Did you still find it entertaining? I was entertained by it, and there's there's a good portion of this where I was thinking three stars, but it just lost focus, and 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 the the, the twist was just not you know just just below actually working. There was a lot of things that felt like they just didn't quite reach what they were aiming for, though it's still an enjoyable film. It's I mean it's a film to watch with your dad. Yeah. So, yeah, a mild recommendation. This is a P- rated PG-13, so this is something we could broadly recommend to people. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, really the only thing in it is the scenes of bank robberies and some guns and things. So, but it still maintains a PG 13 rating. So it's pretty easy to, I would recommend this to anyone who has an interest in seeing it. I don't, I can't think of anyone I would discourage from watching this film. Like I said, it, it was entertaining. It was fun. You're right. There are some issues with the second half of the movie. And, and like I said previously, they try to compensate for that with tempo, which just kind of convolutes the plot to a certain extent. They almost gloss over the fact that Kate Blanchett, playing Kate Wheeler, the whole point of exonerating her is so that she could claim the million-dollar reward for having yeah. helped lead to their capture. So they get the money from yeah. the robbery, and they get the million dollars. I didn't know about the million dollar reward until he, she gets it. I'm like, oh. They mentioned it earlier. They said they doubled the reward okay. to a million dollars on on the criminals at large program. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They didn't make that. It didn't stand out. It wasn't in bold type. I'd caught it, and that's why. I that's when the squibs were going off. That's why I, when I turned to you and said, "Do you realize what's going on?" Because I realized then that she, they mm. were also trying to get her to claim the reward, mm. and that's why she wasn't in on the robbery. Yeah. And that, that also explains why they pushed so hard to exonerate her. Because like I was like, why would they exonerate her unless there yeah. was something else going on? So, but that's all done so rapidly; it's, it's not exactly perfectly clear. Yeah. So, but yeah. I enjoyed this one. I'm glad that you showed it to me. I'm glad that Jackson showed it to you. Yeah. I'm curious to see. I'm sure that we will both hear from Jackson, but I'm curious to see what he thinks of this film today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So any other thoughts? No. Okay. I'm Rob. I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate record a podcast. What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? good here's all your music all right i think there's any more outtakes you have to rent it huh oh, you rented it yeah all right how much was it like four dollars three nine nine yeah this i would uh host because i've seen it before or do you want to host no go for it all right male thumb and louise Do you have some advertisement for us today? I actually don't. Come on, you should come up with something about I've, Arizona. I'm feeling all obligated to come up with one. I was thinking you started recording so early, I was going to be like, ah, don't, don't. They come when they come. I started recording so early. What do you mean? Yeah, early on. When the music was playing oh, yeah. on the thing. Yeah. yeah. And the stuff and the thing. I didn't realize starting early was an issue for you. Oh, well, no. That's fine. Yeah. I guess. <laughs>